You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. Kind of, kind of hard to top the singing and dancing up here. So I'm feeling just a little bit, you know, stressed about that right now, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, we're family, right? That's what I heard. We're family. So I, I, it's funny because Josh was talking about that. And I was thinking the same thing. A day after Christmas, what? Oh, what do you? How do? How do I present this? What? What? How does it feel? What? You know what? It's journey. It's family. You know God's going to make it what He wants to make it. And I'm so excited because number one, I get time off, and I will tell you what, it's been a rough, rough you know, five months for me at work, and it's just been like grueling, long hours, you know, 80-hour weeks, and just really, really tough, and so for me to have some time off, I, I tell you, I woke up Christmas Eve, and, and actually it was the night before, and it was just like, oh, it was like I just, my body just like melted, like I knew I had like some time off, and it just gave me some peace which was nice because, you know, we talked about peace, right? We have the end of a year, and I think this is the second year in a row that I've done the end of the year kind of service. And looking forward, sometimes Christmas can feel like after Christmas, this day in particular can feel a little bit anticlimactic, right? Like you just celebrated and we received this big crescendo and the kids have torn the wrapping open and it's chaos, now what? Right? And that's the way I was kind of thinking about this message. Now what? What now? What is it now, God, that you want us to, to focus on? We focused on you for the last three or four weeks, focusing on the birth of Jesus. Focusing on, on, on what it meant to experience hope and love and joy and peace. And then to feel the presence of Jesus on that first Christmas morning. We heard the angels celebrating the birth of the Messiah, proclaiming that he would come. I'm like, what do we do now? What next? You know, maybe for you, you had a quiet Christmas with just a few people. I know that was, you know, just the three of us at Christmas, so it was the first time for us. It was a little bit solemn, a little bit sad. We didn't have all the grandkids around us, and that was a little bit tough. Or maybe you had a boisterous Christmas with wrapping paper everywhere and chaos, and yeah, Jeffrey's shaking his head, yep. <laughs> right? Maybe it was a sad time because you remembered people that you miss at Christmas time. Maybe it was a really joyous time because you got to spend it with family. As you exchanged gifts, hopefully you, you received gifts with gratitude, with appreciation. Hopefully you didn't have an experience like this guy. Yeah, poor Ralphie. I don't want to. Yeah, I feel you, Ralphie. I don't want to either. As we look forward to a new year, we may be wanting 
to keep feeling the hope and the joy and the love and the peace of Jesus. I feel like that's right where we need to be right now. Wanting. We need to have a heart of wanting all year long. We need a heart of, of, of yearning and seeking all year long. Not just at Christmas time. Christmas is the warm-up for the rest of the year. I, I feel like Christmas got my heart swelling so much that I can't stop. I want to experience more. Can you feel that? Is, is that where you're at right now? I'm hoping that's where you're at right now. Because it's a great place to be. As we looked and celebrated the first half of Luke 2, we saw Jesus being born. We saw the, the angels and the shepherds glorifying and praising him. As we look to the Father in Luke 2, we're going to be looking to see how God wants us to be included in Jesus' story. I'm going to read right from Luke 2, 41 through 52, if you want to follow along. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day, then began looking for him along, among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. See, we see a little bit in the Bible about Jesus as a child. Very little. In fact, of the four Gospels, this is the only one. Luke, the physician, is the only one who had any account of Jesus as a child. I think he just wanted to give us a glimpse at, at what it was like to grow up as a child Messiah. Can you imagine that? Beginning to understand what your purpose was as a child, and yet you've still got your whole life to grow and prepare for what was to come. Can you imagine the being torn in your spirit for the love of humanity, but the obedience to God? And I could just feel the tugging start to happen. The questions start to come up. But Luke is the only one that talks about it. And as we study these passages, we're going to see some glimpses about how Jesus developed spiritually. We're also going to see how we fit into his story. So we start right in the, part, the first part. Your story, and this is the way I think we should approach this whole passage. 
We should just take this passage about Jesus and his story and adopt it as our story. Because we can do the same things that we see Jesus doing in this passage. Your story is influenced by your actions. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. See, it's easy to miss it every year. They were faithful every year they went to Jerusalem. Now, that was, the, that was the law. That was the law of Moses, that every person go to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. Now, many weren't able to do that. Either they didn't have the health to be able to do it, or they lived too far away, or they didn't have the resources. Because if you think about it, Passover was an eight-day festival. So it was seven days of, of celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, followed by the Passover event. So if you're a, a farmer, or a carpenter, or, or any other trade, you're leaving your trade for a week. You're not making income. You, you already are, 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 are probably fighting just to make a living. But you're going to follow the law. And you're going to be obedient. And you're going to do what God is requiring. And so if we see here, Mary and Joseph were eager to raise Jesus as a devout, as a devout Jewish child. Understanding the Jewish law. And, and being a good example of what to, what to do as parents. Now, that's a word to parents today in this room, and maybe even grandparents in this room, that sometimes we struggle with what to do, how, how to teach our children, what direction to give them, how to show them the right way. But if we're looking at Scripture and we're following Scripture, we always know the right way. We always have the right example. We see not only this account, and, and Luke, was, Luke was clear to say that every year Jesus' family went. We don't even see it here. If you look back at Luke, early part of Luke 2, we see that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, which again was part of the Jewish law. They were obedient to what the Jewish law was. He was circumcised on the eighth day, given the name of Jesus. And then we see another when he was presented at the temple court. Because every firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord. And they were obedient to that. So see, Joseph and Mary could have been like, gosh, you know, I'm, Mary could have been like, I'm struggling with this. This is, this is by everybody in the world thinks that this is an illegitimate child. Because I was pregnant before I got married. You can see, I can feel this struggle in her what to do. And they, I feel like they chose wisely to be obedient to what God wanted in spite of what the outside world would see as their circumstances. There's a word for somebody there, right? How many times are we, are we drawn to do something that everybody else is doing or something that somebody else expects us to do instead of following what God wants us to do? And yet they were faithful. They were obedient. 
<clears throat> the law required an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem <clears throat> at Passover. That comes from Deuteronomy. Although most Jewish people living far away, they couldn't come annually. They either couldn't afford it. Um, again, it was an eight-day passage. Let me put this into perspective for you. The journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem, about 90 miles. So every year they made this trek, and they, they didn't ride a train. They didn't take a carriage. They didn't fly. They didn't get in the car and drive, right? They walked. And so most of the time, in order to do this safely, you wanted to travel in a large caravan. You wanted to have lots of people around you. There's safety in numbers. So they would have traveled in large groups. Typically speaking, the wives, the, the women and children, I'll say wives, the women and children would lead the way because they would set the pace. And then the men would follow, usually later on because the women and children would travel much slower. They would follow later on, the men and the boys would follow up and follow the trek. And so for 90 miles, it was about a three-day journey. Conservatively, you know, three miles an hour, 10 hours a day, 30 miles a day, be about a three-day journey, okay? So just to set the tone for what they were up against. I, I, can, I can kind of feel that right now, in my spirit right now. As my wife and I are, are after this, we're going to go home and we're going to pack and we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive 1,800 miles to see my daughter and grandkids. And I, I'm, feeling like, I'm feeling like, God, did you orchestrate this? This is, this is kind of wild. And yes, he did, by the way. So Here's where for the longest time I found fault with Mary and Joseph. It goes on to say that they traveled for a day and then he was missing. They didn't realize he was missing. Now, parents, how many times have you turned around and your child was gone in a store, right? Or they're hiding in the clothes. Not pointing at anybody. Somebody on the left side of the room here when they were a child. They're hiding in the clothes. Look, you know, just playing hide-and-seek with mom and dad. Or, or maybe you just thought they were with you. How many times did you get out of the car and forget they were in the car seat, and you're like, oh, shoot, i got to go back and get my child. <laughs> right? So it happens. But I'm like, to miss him for a whole day? How does that happen? But then I started reading and studying in Scripture, and it's like, if they traveled as a big family... Jesus may not have been walking with mom. He may not have been walking with dad. He might have been walking with an uncle or an aunt. And they didn't discover that he was missing until they were getting ready to bed down that night at the end of the first day's journey. So imagine they traveled 30 miles and then realized Jesus wasn't with them. So then it says three days later they come back to Jerusalem. Well, if you do the math, 30 miles out, full day, 30 miles back, a full day, and they spent a full day searching for Jesus. And so, I kind of understand the scripture a little bit better. And I can see how easy it would be, it would be happening to, to miss Jesus. 
But I can imagine them coming back into Jerusalem and just looking frantically, retracing their steps. Are they, is he over here at the camp where we left, where we camped? No, there's nobody here. Is, is he in the, in, in the square, in the town square, where all the shops and the peddlers are? No, no, he's not there. And then they find him in the temple courts. And I can imagine, like, the relief they felt, followed quickly by what they saw. Jesus asking questions of these leaders, the, the most devout teachers in Jerusalem. He's engaging with them in conversation, asking questions, seeking understanding. Little six-year-old Susie was riding in the back seat with her daddy as they drove to school. And daddy took her to school every single day. But he was in a hurry this morning, so he kind of rolled through a stop sign, and a police officer quickly pulled him over. And as he pulled over to the side of the road, it was kind of a warm day, shut the car off, he opened, it, he opened the windows. The police officer walked up and said, um, so are you headed to school drop-off? And then Susie, very quickly, says, my daddy's not very good at stopping. He got pulled over just last week for the same thing. The officer stepped back to the window where Susie was and, and starts this conversation and says, oh, so he does this a lot, does he? Yes, he never stops at stop signs. Dad was released with a warning that he would obey the direction of his backseat driver. <laughs> let me tell you, parents, let me tell you, parents, your children are watching. They are paying attention. They are seeing where you are faithful and where you are not faithful. And they're picking up their cues from you. You have a responsibility as a parent to raise them up in the Lord. I point at me as much as I point at you. My kids are all grown. They're all adults. I still have an example. It never stops. As a grandparent, I have an example to my grandchildren. Though now they're 1,800 miles away, I still have an example. Jesus was an example he gave us an example. Let me rephrase that. He gave us an example of how to be a holy learner. See, your growth happens through understanding Scripture. This is where growth happens. When you can read a passage and not just memorize it, but understand it to the point that you start to live it. That's where growth happens. Jesus showed us how to do that. Because after three days they found him in the courts and everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. He didn't just spout out what it was. He showed that he understood as 12-year-old what the scripture said. There's no doubt this was a product of his upbringing. 
There's no doubt that, that Mary and Joseph had an influence on him. Though at, though at this point in time, I have to imagine, at 12 years old, Jesus is now an adult, according to Jewish law. He, he's become an adult. Probably the first time he's gotten to be in the temple courts. Because as children, as women, you, you weren't allowed to be in the temple courts engaging in the conversation with the Levitical priests, right? You, not, with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It just didn't happen. But he was allowed to. I don't think it just magically happened on that day. Like all of a sudden he got the Holy Spirit, because it doesn't say that, right? That all of a sudden this revelation came to him. I have to believe that over the years he's starting to feel these things, these questions in his mind, this way that he's thinking, this way that his heart is leading him. And then it comes to this day when he's 12 years old and he's at the temple courts and he's like, oh, I, I feel like he's starting to get who he is. And let me tell you why I think that. Because when Mary and Joseph showed back up, they saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. When you found your child was missing in the grocery store, like, where did you go? Why did you? You're like, you're on the verge of angry and panic and like all these emotions, right? I can imagine that. Jesus very calmly says, why were you searching for me? You knew I had to be in my father's house. Did, did you catch the transition there? Not my parents' house, my heavenly father's house. He is now understanding that he has become or is becoming the Son of God. He's starting to see this relationship where he was a child who was learning and he's now understanding he's, his role, his future role, as the Son of God. We see this growth happening right before us and it's so easy to miss it as we read the Scripture. This is why we need to study Scripture. We miss it because we can see this example for us too. It's like, we don't just want to just grow and like, okay, another year has passed. Well, what did we do this year? Well, let's see. Uh, well, we, we were locked down. We had to wear masks. We, uh, you know, we, we couldn't go into stores. We couldn't travel on planes. We couldn't. Uh, so it's easy to get caught up. And it's like, you know what? I am far stronger this year than I ever was because I studied scripture. I relied on God. I had faith in what he was leading me through. And because that, we can have joy every single day. We can see this revelation playing out in our own lives where it's like oh, we understand our role. It never stops. Christmas is gone. But that doesn't mean anything. We still have this, this joy in our heart that just needs to keep coming out. This joy in our heart needs to be expressed to other people. This joy and, and peace and love and hope needs to be expressed to people. They need to hear it. It's never over. We have to constantly be growers, constantly be learners, constantly be studying. And I say that for me because I wasn't very good at it this year, if I'm being honest. I let some of the chaos and, 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 
and garbage that was going on in the world affect my spiritual walk. So what's funny is, I don't do a lot of speaking, but every time I do it, if you hear me pointing things out, that's because that's me. That's where I'm falling short. And that's what I need to hear. So I'm hopefully, this is what you need to hear too. It's likely that Jesus was, was understanding his role. There's something amazing about this part of the story. In light of the fact that he knows who he is, he knows how important it is to know and understand the Jewish law. If he's going to one day lead others because he knows the plan of God, he knows that God has brought him to reunite every person in humanity with God. You don't think the weight was on his shoulders at that moment? You don't, yes, the weight's on his shoulders when the time has come. But I know he's already thinking about it. I know he's already understanding what's going to happen. He's understanding the sacrifice that's going to have to happen. He knows he needs to see how humanity looks at God's laws. He knew the answers to live had to be found in the law, in the scripture. Chuck Swindoll wrote, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitude and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. If you can take one thing away from this message today, seeking to understand Scripture and, 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 and understanding it, is the strongest thing that can impact your life. Here's the third thing I want you to notice out of this passage, that your blessings come through obedience. Ooh. <clears throat> obedience. Okay, we just talked about studying Scripture. Now I have to be obedient and actually do it. <laughs> I have to be obedient and carry through. Yikes. All right, well, I just set it up here on stage, so now you guys are going to be like, um, okay, how are you doing with that, Tony? How's it going? <laughs> yeah. They went uh, down to Nazareth with them. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is a powerful passage for us as we seek to understand Scripture. Now, understanding it means we're taking Scripture, we're absorbing it, we're putting it into our minds, we're wrestling with it, we're chewing on it, we're talking to other people about it, we're trying to seek understanding, we're looking for wise counsel on it, we're taking it into our heart, and we're letting our heart transform our minds. That's what Scripture should do. And so your blessings come through obedience because every time you go through that process with a piece of scripture, every time it comes from your heart and it goes through your mind, every time you absorb it and you regurgitate it and it, put, and it, and it reinforces it in your mind and it comes out to other people, it strengthens your faith. It strengthens your confidence. This is powerful. The obedience mentioned here was not because Jesus was disobedient in the past. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe that's what Luke was trying to tell us. It wasn't because he was disobedient in the past. It was because he desired to show obedience to his parents. Now here's this, here's, here's this boy of 12 who now understands he's going to become the Son of God, the Messiah, who's going to lead the rest of humanity back to God. And he didn't belittle his parents. He didn't disrespect them. He was obedient to them. I believe Luke was trying to clarify that Jesus was obedient to his parents as the Jewish law commanded. What was that commandment? Honor your mother and father. I'm telling you, kids in this room, teens, students, this is a word for you today. And we talked about how important it is for parents to raise children up and to be obedient and to be always conscious of what they're doing and teaching. Kids, children, students, this is a word. In an age where we tend to disrespect our parents and others because of what we feel about life, there's times when we just need to be obedient. There's times when we just need to suck it up, buttercup, and do what you're told. As Jesus obviously knows that who his heavenly father is at this point, he didn't let it negate the, the respect that he had for his earthly mother and father. He didn't allow himself to be proud to discover that he was son of God. And in so doing, looked down on his earthly parents. He chose to continue to honor them. See, we can, we can learn from that. Mary didn't understand everything that she saw. But I can imagine the angel came to her before and said, this is what's going to happen. This is what your son's going to become. And when she sees him in the temple courts, I bet there was joy and there was pride that she was so faithful that she brought him to this point, gave him this opportunity to, to be before these teachers of the law. And, and she can see his growth. Parents, Acknowledge your children's growth. Even just little bits. Encourage them. Reward them. They come to you from, they come to you from church on Sunday and they tell you what they learned in, in, in student ministry or what they learned in children's ministry. Embrace that. Celebrate that. Help them to see how important it is for them to continue to be the learners. And children, always be willing to grow because... You're not always going to be a kid. And regardless of what you think, TikTok won't be around in 10 years. Not like it is now. So your life won't be the same. That wasn't a jab. I'm just saying. See, the last passage summarizes the life of Jesus. The last passage summarizes the life of Jesus from age 12 until he's being baptized by John. That whole verse, that whole verse at the end, talks about it. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. From age 12 to roughly age 30, that's Jesus' life. All in one sentence. 
18 years spent growing. 18 years spent seeking favor of God. That's an example for us. It shows that he was growing intellectually stature. He was growing physically. He was growing spiritually. He was growing socially. And they didn't even have TikTok. There was a balanced growth. Understanding his earthly role and his heavenly one. Jesus was obedient and it showed and it was shown to the teachers as he was listening and questioning them. See, you have to understand, if he's starting to begin his role, he knows the Jewish law. He knows it pretty well. As a child, he would have had to study it, right? He would have had to know the Pentateuch, right? The first five books of the Jewish law. Yeah, I threw that word at you. Sorry about that. Nope, can't spell it. But thanks for calling me out, Alicia. Uh, um, yeah, so they would have had to know that, the first five books of the Jewish law. And so he knew it. But he, under, he understood it. But he also saw that it was, he was going to be getting this full authority. The Bible's filled with great examples of obedience. Abraham's obedience to sacrifice Isaac. That'd be a tough one. Noah's obedience to, to God building the ark. Daniel refused to defile himself with the king's meal. Moses removed his shoes at the burning bush because he was standing on hollowed ground. There's lots of examples of obedience. So Jesus gives us another example of how to be obedient. He's a wonderful example for all young people and not so young people to follow. He grew in a balanced way without neglecting any part of his life. And his priority was to do the will of his father. He knew how to listen. <laughs> That's a word for all of us, children and parents. Learn how to listen. And how to ask the right questions. He learned how to work, and he was obedient to his parents. So, just to wrap this up, spiritual formation is developed in our family. It's developed in our family. Parents, you grow just as much as your kids do. And kids, growing's not a bad thing. Let me give you some things. Some ways to keep Jesus in the center of your family in 2022. And I don't have these in the notes. So I apologize for that. But I'll give you time to write them down. Find a church you love. Hopefully you're in it right now. And if you're not, uh, I'm probably going to yell that for this. If you're not, go find one you love. Because you're not going to grow if you're not in a church that you don't love. You're just going to be going through the motions. So find a church that you love. Find a few devotionals that you can do as a family. Write that one down. Some devotionals you can do as a family. Now that, that can be a challenge with younger kids. But you can simplify down the scripture. And parents can take it deeper on their own. But you can all be studying the same scriptures. Pray together, not just at meals, often, daily. Parents show them the example. We're not so good at that anymore. Read your Bible together. 
And that's important because you can, you can discuss thoughts. You can seek understanding. LifeWay Ministry did a study and said that the most impactful thing to your kids' growth is reading the Bible. The most impactful thing to your child's growth. Change your language. Now, this one, I was like, change your language. Okay, yeah, I can imagine. You don't want to say those words that you say at work, right? <laughs> or the words you say outside the home. No, I think what they're talking about is change your language to be language of hope and blessing. Like, children, see the sunset? Look at how God painted the sky. Or, have a blessed day at school. Change your language. Speak of hope and blessing. And then finally, build a family statement. This one takes a little bit more work. Build a family statement. What does that look like? Find ways to bless. Come up with ways to bless that you agree about as a family. Come up with ways to grow as a family. List important values that you want to include as part of your family. Ways to grow closer to each other and closer to Jesus. Those are all important factors. And it's kind of a statement you make as a family. If you're going to make worship part of your family's routine in 2022, you have to do three things. Practice worship, grow in scripture, and stay obedient. I hope we left you something good today. Father God, you orchestrate all this because you want us to come to you. You want us to be drawn back to you, Father God. You want us to come to you with a heart that's open and receptive. You want us to come to you with ears that are listening and minds that are open. And Father God, we open our hearts to you today. Speak to us right now, individually, and show us what the one thing is that we want you, you want us to do differently in 2022. Help us to be able to to see the direction you're taking us. Help us to be able to, to be obedient. Help us to see different ways to worship you. And Father God, help us to be determined to grow in Scripture. Father, we love you so much. And on this 26th day of December, Father God, we just ask that you would give us a heart of Christmas all year long. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.